Well, as many of you know, uh, a number of weeks back, uh, we took uh, just several weeks to address some of the racial climate in our nation and really asking the question, how should the Church of Jesus Christ respond to the racial distress and racial division in our nation? Because we believe that heaven and history will ask how the church entered into the pain, how the church entered into the distress in this season. Well, I heard back from many of you, and uh, I'm so thankful for that because many of you shared some of your concerns and, and shared some of your questions about some of the things that we processed together. So I thought, hey, why not take some time to respond to some of those questions and some of those um, concerns sooner than later. Now, I realize that we've moved on to masks um, and we are in many ways concerned about a variety of other things. But let me assure you, heaven has not moved on from the racial tension, from the racial distress, from the racial division that's happening in our nation. Heaven and history are still paying attention to how the church is responding. And so we want to process some of this um, together. If you have a copy of the Bible, let's just get right to it. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be in uh, the book of Matthew and the fifth chapter. And uh, in this scene we're about to look at, Jesus is teaching on a, a mountainside, and he's just blowing people's minds as he reframes scriptures that they have heard all of their lives and he's upgrading their understanding by saying i'm not saying your understanding was incorrect i'm just telling you your understanding was incomplete so let me fill out the picture a little bit more for you you've had such a small view of heaven's truth and i just came to tell you there is more to it you're not incorrect it's just incomplete. And he gives them a number of examples that just blow their minds. Here's one of them. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. This is what Jesus says. You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But there is more. I tell you, verse 32, that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. You've heard it said, do not murder. And that is true, but I came to tell you that there is more. Don't even entertain anger towards somebody. All your lives, you've heard that heaven has an issue when you murder someone. Actually, heaven has an issue when you let anger towards somebody linger in your heart. There is more. And then he gives another illustration a few verses down. Uh, verse 27. Look at this. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Oh, but there's more. I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Wow. 
Y'all have heard it said, do not sleep with someone you are not married to. That is accurate, but there's more. Don't even entertain a sexual thought or a sexual fantasy about someone you're not married to. There's more. Don't let a sexual thought about that person linger in your heart. You've heard it said that heaven is only concerned with what you do, but let me tell you, there is more. Long before you did anything, heaven was concerned with what you thought about. There is more. You've heard it said heaven is only concerned with your actions, but there is more. I'm telling you, long before you did or acted in any way, heaven was dialed into your attitude about something. There is more. There is more. You thought heaven only cared when you flew off the handle. And Jesus is saying there is, there is so much more to it. Heaven was concerned when those feelings were festering in you long before you flew off the handle. There is more. There is more. There is more. Adultery, don't do it but also don't entertain thoughts about it. Murder, don't do it, but also don't harbor an aggressive attitude towards anyone in your mind. Y'all wanna start the conversation when someone does something, but I just came to tell you that heaven has been dialed in long before you did anything at all. Heaven looks at your choices on a continuum and starts the conversation long before your actions. I can't believe what those two people have been doing. And heaven is saying, uh, we've been paying attention to what they were thinking four months before they did anything. I cannot believe what she said to them. Heaven has been dialing into what she's been feeling towards them for the last 15 months. Jesus is introducing a continuum and letting us know heaven entered into this whole conversation long before you did anything. It mattered to heaven long before you acted on anything. Jesus is introducing us to heaven's continuum because right and wrong is not always determined at the point of action. It is often determined at the point of conception, at the point of contemplation. You never just behave first you believe. You never just act, Jesus is saying. First, you attitude a little bit about it. It's all connected. What you did is connected to what you thought along the same continuum, and heaven is concerned with all of it. There is more. It's all on a continuum.
Now, it makes sense why the Apostle Paul would say, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, not by the rehabilitating of your behavior, because Paul understands if your thinking is renewed along the continuum, it's going to eventually affect your acting. What you do now, it makes sense why Paul would say, take every thought captive, and make that sucker obedient to the person of Jesus Christ. And you notice he doesn't say take every behavior captive because he understands it's on a continuum. And if you deal with your thoughts, you will find that your behavior is eventually dealt with as well. Jesus didn't come to simply change our behavior. He came to alter our beliefs. He came to deal with the whole continuum there is more he didn't just come to fix our actions he came to revolutionize our attitudes there is more there's more there's more okay akondo i thought we were talking about racism as a matter of fact we are um I bring all of this up because I know that many of you struggled when I suggested that all of us deal with racial prejudice to some degree or another. We had a difficult time with that. Why? Because we immediately went to the, the most extreme expression of racial prejudice and said, I don't hate anybody because of the color of their skin. I don't mistreat anybody because of the color of their skin. Therefore, I don't have any issue with racial prejudice whatsoever. And Jesus would enter into the conversation and say, oh, but there is more. It's on a continuum. And just because you may not deal with the most extreme expression of that thing doesn't mean heaven isn't dialed in somewhere along the continuum. Sleeping with somebody is just the most extreme expression of adultery. But Jesus would say, there is more. There is more. There is more. Heaven was concerned when you were thinking about it. You may never sleep with somebody, but it doesn't mean that you don't have an adultery problem. There is more. There is more. There is more. Um, and I think many of us rushed to the extreme and felt as if by saying we all struggle with racial prejudice, that meant we all hate other people, you know, of different races. Or it, it meant that we, we somehow express the worst forms of discrimination towards those people. And Jesus would say, you've heard it said that heaven is only concerned with your actions, but I came to tell you it's on a continuum. Heaven is concerned with your attitudes and your thoughts about people from other races as well. Again, just because you didn't sleep with someone doesn't mean you don't have an adultery problem. Your issue may just be plotted at a different place on the lust continuum. 
perhaps a, a, a place called pornography. Uh, perhaps a, a place called spending a little bit too much time with those really descriptive romance novels. Perhaps a place called, mm, I just like Khaleesi's character. Mm-hmm. Just because you've never killed someone doesn't mean you don't have a murder problem. It just might be plotted at a different place on the anger continuum. Maybe a place called passive aggressiveness. Maybe it's a place called the silent treatment. I'm just not going to talk to you. But I haven't killed anybody, so I don't have a problem with anger. I don't have anything to do with the murder gene because I haven't gone to the extreme. And Jesus would say, there's more. There is more. There's more to racial prejudice than hating and discriminating. And Jesus doesn't want to just deal with our actions our most extreme actions. I'm telling you, church, heaven wants to deal with all the points along the continuum. All of our attitudes, all of our feelings. So l let me say this, and please hear me. If this is true, the goal for the church regarding racial prejudice should be to crush the continuum. Come on, somebody. Somebody better be saying amen in the comments section. The goal is to crush the whole continuum, not just to pick the most extreme thing and say, I don't have anything to do with that. The goal of the church should be crush the entire Continuum. Address racial prejudice wherever you find it plotted along the continuum, no matter what point it's at, whether it's in thought form, whether it's in attitude form, long before it may even manifest in the most extreme of forms. Crush the continuum. Okay, so here's, here's what I want to spend a little bit of time talking about, because if we're going to crush the continuum, then it's good for us to maybe talk about some of the different points along the continuum so that we can recognize them when we see them in us and acknowledge the fact that, yeah, I guess there is something in the racial prejudice category that I need to, to deal with. So what are some of the different points along the continuum because just because i don't hate or discriminate against people doesn't mean i don't have issues of racial prejudice to deal with or to address um here's here's one one point um in fact i i would say this is probably the starting point um, for all of us, and it's a point along the prejudice continuum called racial unawareness. Racial unawareness. And this is the point on the continuum at, at which I've had very limited firsthand experiences with people of certain 
racist. Nothing wrong with that in and of itself. Some of us grew up in small towns without a, a lot of racial variety. And so we just didn't have opportunity to, to interact with people of different racial groups, which made us in many ways racially unaware, at least about those particular people groups. And um, it's actually natural uh, if you ask me before experiencing something that you might have a, a defensive posture towards it, right? I've never experienced this before. I, I don't know what to do with it. I, 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 don't, I don't know where to, to, to place it or how to respond to it. Um, when we do that, it's true that I might be expressing or experiencing a little bit of racial prejudice, but can I suggest to you, it is a racial prejudice form that all of us experience. In fact, racial unawareness is just race kindergarten. All of us start there. I don't know what I don't know about a group of people that I've never interacted with. And so as a result of that, I might experience unconscious biases where I may feel certain things or, or even think certain things that I'm not entirely aware that I'm feeling or that I am thinking because I've not had much by way of experience. Um, again, I think this is natural. And so that might lead me to, to interact with people with a certain degree of um, suspicion. Um, something about me just doesn't trust you or feel safe around you. I don't know why, but, but I'm feeling a little bit of suspicion. That makes sense if you think about it, if I've never really interacted with someone. Can we be honest? Many of you grew up in houses like this, and many of us are creating atmospheres like this in our home where we tell our kids, this is how you interact with a stranger. What? Don't talk to a stranger. You don't know them. You don't know what they want. You don't know what they're up to, right? There is something about, I don't know you, and I've never had this experience with you that could stir a little bit of um, suspicion or, or defensiveness or, or even self-consciousness uh, around certain people because I don't know you so I, I'm going to think you're thinking about me a certain way even if you may never think that thought that's what I think because I don't know how you think in a particular way because we don't know each other uh, that well some of us may experience um, an inferiority complex because I don't know if you knew this but racial prejudice isn't always me thinking less of people racial prejudice is sometimes me thinking certain races are are better than me and so I interact with you and I think you must be looking down on me because I feel like you know I'm a little less than you even though I may never have thought that my point is racial unawareness may stir different things in me because I've never had the experience and I'm not quite sure where to place it. And I realize that I'm, I'm stepping out on a limb when I say this, but racial unawareness is going to stir natural responses in us. Um, it's a natural starting point for all of us. I would just say, do not stay there. Don't stay at a place of racial 
unawareness. Um, and a great way to crush the continuum at the point of racial unawareness is through racial exposure. Racial exposure. To expose yourself and to expose your family to people who are not like you. To create first-hand experiences with people of other races. Don't be content to say, well, I've never interacted with these people. I don't know. So I'm okay to live with unawareness. And I'm okay to live with a certain degree of, of suspicion. I'm okay to live with a certain degree of defensiveness no create first-hand experiences when you become aware of your unawareness um i've never interacted with a per person of that race change that take a small step and please hear me i'm talking about really really small and simple steps go eat at a mexican restaurant if it's something that you've you've never done go sit down in the restaurant and just expose your family to people who are maybe a little bit different um, from you. Go eat in a white-owned diner, you know, one of those dives off the beaten path to just expand your experiences and to encounter a little bit of racial exposure. Start shopping on that side of town that's maybe populated by a group of people who are not quite like you. Come on, crush the continuum. And a simple way to do that is to exchange unawareness with experience, with exposure. Um, I don't know if you've seen what happens to uh, our teenagers the first time they go on an international missions trip. Their little hearts are like, what? I had no idea about any of this because exposure has started to heal or to deal with some of the racial unawareness in them. For some of you, you might even end up breaking a generational pattern of staying with people like you by taking that kind of step. Um, interestingly, one of the groups that I felt most racially unaware about were African-Americans. Uh, I started to realize that I felt very self-conscious around African-Americans. I felt, you know, different. I felt not quite accepted or embraced because even though we look the same, we don't uh, speak the same. And it started to create in me like this this standoffishness that I wasn't always aware of, but the Spirit of God was gracious enough to, to bring it to my attention. Now, did that mean that I hate black Americans? No, those two things may be on the same continuum, but they're not the same thing. Um, but unconscious bias had showed up in my choices to, to maybe avoid a little bit. Um, out of self-consciousness. So I started driving an hour to uh, a, a black barbershop um, just to go and be exposed to a group of people that I felt to some degree misunderstood or uncomfortable um, around. And uh, the first time I go to this barbershop, 
um, I walk in and and the, the guy says to me like, you know, there's a group of these barbers and, and one of them says to me, man, were you the one who just called a little bit ago? I'm like, yep, that was me. Oh man, we thought you was white. <laughs> and they start laughing and they start high-fiving each other. And in my heart, I'm like, and that's the reason why I don't. But I stayed, <laughs> you know, and it became this incredible exchange, my opportunity to just be around um, people that I had not had a lot of experience with and eventually ask awkward questions and be laughed at a little bit. Um, and yet in all of that, I found th that the unawareness in me was being crushed under the weight of these new experiences that I was willing to step into um i'm just asking you is there a people group that maybe you need to get out of kindergarten with just take some steps to experience something racial um exposure um sometimes we may not be at the unawareness point on the prejudice continuum we may be at the racial ignorance point. Um, this is the point where my perceptions about a certain race weigh more than my understanding of that race. This is when my preconceptions about a certain people group weigh more in my mind than what's actually true about that people group. Um, I've been around certain racial groups um, and uh, I've never really gotten to know them though. So my understanding is in large part based on how I've observed them from being near them in proximity. But what carries the most weight is how I've observed them. And these, you know, preconceptions that I hold about these particular groups, um, or I've taken a small step. And so I've gone to a Mexican restaurant and man, I've noticed that they speak really loudly in the back. Or I've noticed that they interact in a certain way. And from a distance, I've, I've pieced together this conception. But now my conception is the reality about those people. For some of us, it's more racial ignorance than it is racial um, unawareness. I trust what I've experienced a few times. This is a reality for all people. And I hold tightly to that, right? <laughs> this is a mistake I make whenever I start to think like, man, I understand women perfectly because I live with five of them. Um, I am usually very rudely corrected um, <laughs> by something typically that my wife or my 14 year old daughter will say to remind me that just because I've made these observations and I've tried to piece things together does not mean that I understand 
very well. Or, you know, I work with black people. So, um, you know, so I get it. I get it. Uh, I'm on a team with white people. So, you know, I get it. Um, which can lead to just a sense of ignorance because proximity does not equal understanding. Being near or around you does not mean that I now understand you. We can be around each other and never truly get beyond preconceptions. Come on, you have preconceptions about my marriage. You don't know. I have preconceptions about what you're like, but I don't, I don't know. And if I don't acknowledge that my preconception cannot be reality until I understand it from the people themselves. I will stay in a place of racial ignorance. I had a good friend in college of Mexican descent. And uh, I remember the first time that I said Mexican, Puerto Rican, whatever, same difference. Mm, 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 mm. Let me just save you a situation and encourage you I, I would not say that if I were you, and I've never said it um, ever again. Uh, he was not happy uh, with that. But again, I was ignorant about Hispanic culture um, because I had a Hispanic friend, which led me to saying some insensitive things which hurt somebody. Now, do I hate that person? No. Did I want to hurt them? No. But my ignorance ended up causing me to hurt the person because, again, I was acting and speaking out of my preconception. Um, there's no crime in being ignorant, which some of you may have a hard time hearing me say, but I'm going to say it again. There is no crime in being ignorant. All of us are ignorant about some race to some degree. But for heaven's sake, do not stay there. Do not stay there. Do not be okay with your preconceptions. Don't stay there. Um, and a great way to crush the continuum is by getting educated about other races. Don't be content with your conceptions. Have your preconceptions challenged. Have your preconceptions confirmed. Have your preconceptions expanded, but don't settle with what you know. Hey, can I ask you a potentially delicate question about race? Ask questions. And most people are going to tell you, absolutely, you can ask me questions. And then you get to take your preconceptions and measure them against the realities of the people themselves. And you find the continuum starts to crush. And uh, I, I would also say, engage people first hand. Um, read directly uh, from people of, of that group, not the media's reports about people of that group.
not your racist interpretation of people of other races. There's nothing wrong with listening to those things. But I can't say strongly enough, firsthand engagement. Read directly from those races themselves um, and talk directly to the people of those races, not just about them. Um, it's concerning to me when I see minorities get together on social media and they start to talk about white people, but there are no white people in the conversation. That is choosing to stay ignorant. It's concerning to me when I see conversations by white people who've done all of their research out there somewhere about black people and what they're doing and what they're feeling and what they mean, but there's no black people included in the conversation. Come on, firsthand experiences. Talk directly to the people themselves. There is something powerful and crushing of the continuum. When we take our preconceptions and we bring them into these firsthand experiences and talk to the people themselves. Again, I've loved uh, talking with people who are, are just humble enough to say, I don't know. And so I'm bringing my conceptions. I'm bringing my preconceptions. And I'm saying, I just want to learn. I just want to listen. Heaven sees you. I'm telling you, history will remember these humble moments in which you are saying, correct me, teach me, help me to understand. I I've loved being able to sit with some of our elders and just ask, What's it like being a white man in the current climate? Uh, do, do you feel lumped in? Um, do you feel like you can't say anything right? Do you feel like, man, there's great risk. It's, it's, you know, condemned if I do, condemned if I don't. And to just hear firsthand, instead of me sitting with my friends of color and trying to figure out what the experience must be like for my white brothers and sisters. And I think the church should be the most racially curious and the most racially educated people on the planet. Why? Because we are the ones who claim our God made you different than he made me. And I want to figure out all of his glorious creativity and, and the different experiences and the nuances that are unique to you that are not to me. We should be so curious to learn from each other more than anyone else possibly is. And sadly, I, I see the church content to stay at a place of, of racial ignorance. If there's a concern for me, is that the church has been all too happy to stay at a place of racial ignorance. And we justified by saying, I treat everybody with politeness and I treat everybody with respect. Um, I'm not mean and I'm not rude to anybody as if Jesus died to make us polite with each other. As if God is moving all of history to this place where people from different racial backgrounds are going to gather around the throne in politeness. Come on, y'all. The goal is not politeness. The goal is unity. The goal is embrace. And that cannot happen because we hold our preconceptions and we are nice to each other. I can be nice to you, but stand at a distance. Jesus died for so much more than that. He longs for us to embrace each other. There's no way that happens unless 
unless we are having these first-hand conversations and bringing our preconceptions in humility and saying, help me understand a little bit more. Are you crushing the continuum at the point of ignorance? Or are you content with your preconceptions? It takes courage. But come on, church, the Spirit of God will give it to us if we're willing to be courageous and enter in and say, oh, this is going to be so awkward, but this is what I think. Is this correct? This is how I feel. Is this accurate? Crush the continuum by experiencing other races and then educating yourself. Um, because if we don't do that, we are going to find ourselves moving along the continuum and sooner or later we will move to racial discrimination we will move to racial discrimination and this is when i start to mistreat people based on my unverified perceptions of them Oh, this is when I start to mistreat people based on my perceptions, my preconceptions, based on the actions of a certain group belonging to that race. And I think this is where many of us enter the conversation. And we say, well, I've, no, I don't discriminate against anybody, so you don't you know, miss me with all of this talk about racial prejudice. But heaven is saying, oh, there's more. There's more. I want to deal with the whole continuum. But I'm telling you, if we don't deal with it earlier, it's eventually, and we said this last time we talked about this, it will eventually spawn claws and it will become racial discrimination. And it will feel in many ways justified. And I believe Jesus would say to us, I don't want to just heal your discrimination. I, I, I want to heal your, your ignorance. I, I want you to grow while it's still in thought and attitude form. I want to deal with the whole continuum. And I'm suggesting to you when it comes to the conversation about racial prejudice, heaven is dialing into how we're dealing with our attitudes, how we're dealing with our thoughts, how we're dealing with our pre conceptions. You don't want to wait until it gets to the discrimination stage. Um, I would love to see us as a church acknowledge the fact that this whole quest to crush the continuum is not the issue for our white brothers and sisters, it's not the issue just for, for black brothers and sisters, people of color. It is for all of us to acknowledge. And even though I don't have the answer right now, I wanted to at least acknowledge as a church, we, we've got to do better in creating safe environments for everybody to acknowledge where they are on the continuum and to invite heaven to come and heal us all and to heal us together because if this isn't our collective quest we will never get to the places where we want to get so I, I don't know 
where this continues to go as a conversation. But what I do know is that as a church, we've got to continue to wrestle through it. We've got to continue to, to, to advocate for inequality in voices so that we can all acknowledge this is where I truly am and meet each other there, have our preconceptions destroyed and have heaven begin to heal us and move us towards unity. So again, I'm not sure when we're gonna continue this conversation, but I am saying to you, we are not going to quit on the conversation. We want to continue to move towards heaven, towards history's calling to us. Um, I'm going to say a quick word of prayer, and then we'll look forward to seeing you all next time. Father, thank you so much for your incredible grace to us, that you meet us anywhere on the continuum that we are willing to admit that we need you. And so I pray, Lord, that wherever any of us are on the continuum of racial prejudice, that we will be willing to acknowledge it and to be willing to ask you to come and work in us. Oh, Lord, I just pray that we would understand this is our issue collectively. It's not the issue for, for white people, for black people, Hispanic people. It is for all of us to together come and acknowledge the ways in which we need to be healed and to be willing to listen to each other with incredible humility and grace. And we trust that we will continue to do better by the power of your spirit. Because if the church does not respond with humility, then our culture will not be healed. And so we just commit ourselves to you even now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, as always, thanks so much for being willing to be a part of this messy and difficult conversation. I trust we will be thankful that we stuck with it when it's all said and done. Hey, God bless. We'll see you all next time.